the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. This is Morgan Zegers coming at you live from my underground bunker. Just kidding. I'm in an apartment in Phoenix, Arizona. (laughs) Uh, I wish I was on my homestead, though, but alas, that takes time, and I will have that eventually. Uh, I hope you guys have had a nice few months. Sorry I had to put this on the back burner. They're just other actual more pressing work had to be done and this is more of a passion project for me Uh, I enjoyed a lot but it just had to had to go on pause for a little bit now that being said state of the union happened last night and I was baking some muffins and I was like you know what time to bring the podcast back um time to talk to the people you know what I'm saying uh and I missed my little buttons come on guys we uh are trained Marxists I love this little button board. What are the other ones? Because otherwise, if everything is reopened, then what's the carrot going to be? (laughs) Do you remember when that doctor said that? Oh, my gosh. Um, So, yeah, State of the Union happened last night. I was baking muffins. I have a few thoughts, and so I figured we could go through them. And then I actually found a really wholesome Twitter thread. This is what more so inspired me. I, I go on Twitter... I, I don't like social media and I have specific purposes for when I go on social media. What am I going to do on Twitter? I'll go onto Twitter to see the trends of the day in terms of what is going on because I have to make like work videos or something about, about the trending topics or whatever's in the news. And then I also follow a bunch of random father pages, mother pages, like, like wholesome kind of family content stuff. And I came across a really sweet thread today about integrity. It was from, I think, foundational father, um, foundation dads, super cute account. I suggest you guys follow if you do, but like, that's why I go on social media to kind of read that stuff, get some good takes on, on non-political, more wholesome stuff. And then I go about my day, uh, like Pinterest. Pinterest is dedicated to my homemaking, homesteading, and homeschooling stuff. So I have literal Pinterest boards on just divvied up into curriculum topics for my future kids because I can't wait to homeschool them. Um, Does anybody else do that? Am I a weirdo in that? Um, So that's my Pinterest. Instagram, If you you can kind of see what I actually use Instagram for. If you look at the hashtags that I'm following, it's stuff like... (laughs) Like hashtag bone marrow for like bone marrow recipes because I'm really into the the health that comes from that. The health benefits, it's like thick painting is one, homesteading one is obviously. And then like 1,000 hours outside I think is what it is. 1,000 hours outside, the hashtag. It's like a challenge. I think there's an Instagram page, but it's the challenge to um, get your kids outside experiencing the outdoors for 1,000 hours this year. Uh, so again, no kids, but... I think it's super cute and wholesome to watch. So that's why I like social media. I found a really cute um, thread from Foundation Father that I'll read to you at the end of this. But let's first of all talk about the State of the Union. Um, first thing, 
let's just address the fact that I posted that I was watching it and I was kind of disappointed with how many people were like, Ugh, I couldn't stomach it. So I turned it off or I don't waste my time watching that. Or how could you, how could you stomach it, Morgan? I can't believe you were able to watch the whole thing. Like I, I just couldn't do it. Uh, you guys, it was only an hour. I just baked and cooked dinner as I let it play in the background. And yeah, do I want to watch Joe Biden talk for an hour? No. Am I interested in monitoring everything that happens in politics and, and keeping up and wasting my time like watching CNN all night? Absolutely not. But it's the State of the Union and it's our president's annual address to Congress. I think it's something that's worth at least being put on the background as you cook dinner or, or whatever you're doing at night. Uh, and I say that because whatever he's going to say, whether you're on the right or the left, if you're somebody that's like, I'm just going to watch the highlights, you're going to get the highlights from your side and you're going to get um, some interesting takes. Let's say that. It, it, I'm somebody that would rather watch the one hour experience, get my own thoughts on it, and then understand that that people are going to come away from this. Talking heads on both sides are going to have their own takes on it. And they're going to be a little dramatic. I'd rather just watch the raw footage of the event and then have my own thoughts and then watch other people get their takeaways the next day versus only getting my opinion from what other people's opinions are after the actual thing happens. The best thing we can all do is watch the straight-up original content of speeches, of events, of, of events taking place in this country, especially right now. Everything is going to be exacerbated. Everything is going to be dramatized. And in this era, people ask, like, what is the best news source to go to, Morgan? What do you watch? What do you listen to? I don't listen to much. I don't watch much because it's everybody's opinions. I'd rather just watch the original piece of content and then have my own opinion. Then maybe listen to other people to hear them out. So I don't think saying, oh, I don't care about this stuff. I don't watch the State of the Union. I can't you know, dedicate time to that. I don't know how you could watch that, that clown, whatever you're going to say. It's not the flex you think it is. You know what I mean? I was watching, it's kind of like, um, I was joking with my friend Michelle, she lives here in Arizona and we were at lunch and we were talking about just how distorted things are with women these days and like the, the boss babe culture and then like the mom that like thinks it's a flex to say she like drinks a bottle of wine every night as soon as her kids go to sleep because like, I don't know, whatever. It's not the flex you think it is when you go on social media and say something like, oh yeah, I'm such a cool mom. My kid's going to love me because I ate hot flaming Cheetos and Oreos all of my pregnancy. I'm a cool mom. Like I saw a tweet or it was like a TikTok of that. Of like my kid's going to come out loving me because all I ate was flaming hot Cheetos during pregnancy. <laughs> that is not the flex that you think it is, even though it might be a funny TikTok to some people. That's not a flex, honey. Just like it's not a flex to go on social media and say, I didn't watch the State of the Union because Joe Biden sucks. Um, I highly suggest you watch that kind of stuff and get your own opinions. The other thing that I want to take away from this is, oh my gosh, actually I have two. The, the really frustrating part for me is that like Joe Biden could drop a pen on accident 
and it will become a clickbait conservative media headline now to be like, Joe Biden, mentally unstable, drops pen like a total loser, and that's why we're going to lose World War Three against Russia. <laughs> like, okay, okay, I... I mispronounce words sometimes i say things incorrectly i mean i always post my bloopers people mess up sometimes and to take a mistake like that like nancy pelosi tripped when she was standing up last night Why do we have to make every single move from them some viral video making fun of them? I think when we do that, whenever we take one little word mess up from Joe Biden and say, look at him, he's unfit to serve as president, uh, it actually hinders us because he does have mental problems, I think, with his ability to function. I am worried about that. And there are great clips to prove that. I mean, him talking 30 years ago versus him talking now, completely different person, completely different capabilities mentally. That's concerning. But then when we take a word, him mispronouncing a word, and we make that a viral video, we look kind of crazy, you guys. Can we stop doing that? That's my request. Um, Last overall theme slash message before we get into the actual topics of the State of the Union, is you guys, oh my gosh, why are we making the topic the fact that we were gaslit? Have you ever thought about that? Everybody now is talking, before the State of the Union, let's say this, everybody was like, do you think he's going to lie to us? Do you think he's going to say the State of the Union is good? Do you think he's going to ignore these issues and act like everything's hunky-dory? Why is that the question? That's obvious, That is, it should be understood by now that yes, he's going to tell us the State of the Union is strong, which he did. He's going to act like everything's fine. He's going to ignore Afghanistan. He's going to try and unite us with language, even though what he's asking for is incredibly partisan, incredibly dividing. He's going to do all that. He's going to gaslight us, you guys. That's not the question. The question and the topic on the day after the State of the Union, after this all happened, should be, so what are we going to do about it? Are we going to let him get away with it? This is the same thing that happened with communist China. When this was happening and the CCP was getting away with hiding information, silencing and disappearing doctors and journalists, lying to the the world about the spreading capabilities of this virus, and then paying off doctors in the WHO or whatever it's called, the WHO. Can I call it the WHO like the band? When they were doing all of this, we were... Instead of saying, we are not going to let them get away with this propaganda and with this gaslighting and with this this hiding of information, instead we made the story about the fact that this was all happening. Why are we not focusing our attention on saying, okay, we know they act like this. We know they hide information. We know they suppress the truth. We know that they then gaslight us. We know they spread propaganda and distort history. So knowing that, what are we going to do about it? I think we need to be saying things like, okay, we're not going to let them distort the facts to our children. We're not going to let them distort the history. We're not going to let them change the timeline of things. We're not going to let them get away with this gaslighting. That's what I wish our our movement or I wish average Americans took as the requirement knowing 
that we are being gaslit. Instead of saying, are we going to be gaslit again by the Biden administration? Is Jen Psaki going to lie to us? Yeah, you guys, that's fully understood. We know how they operate now. The real question, the real topic, the real conversations that need to be had are what are we going to do about it? Are we going to reform the education system? Are we going to focus on independent media? Are we going to have conversations with the people around us in our neighborhood? so that they fully understand that they're being lied to and we bring them in with that sense of community and maybe potentially try and change the way they vote in future elections. That would be nice. Uh, That's really where I I hope we can focus our attention now instead of these same conversations of, oh my gosh, do you think we're going to be lied to in the State of the Union? Yeah. Okay, that should be understood. Now what are we going to do about it? Uh, Are we going to let them get away with it like we have every single time they do this? Now, uh, with the State of the Union, though, you guys, uh, a few things came to mind. Oh, my gosh, I could say a lot about it. But there are some things that I kind of wanted to run through. In case you didn't listen yet, I highly suggest you watch it just so that you can get that raw footage and and digest it yourself. Um, First thing. Hunter 7 Foundation, I'm looking at their sticker that they sent me. They sent me this super sweet package of a book and, and a t-shirt and then all these stickers and then a little note that was like, thanks for being a, like a, an American badass or something. I'm not that cool, but thank you for that very kind note, you guys. They do really good work with veterans who get sick because of their service. So I thought of them immediately when President Biden, the one positive thing I would say we could take out of this was that he mentioned the burn pits. He mentioned the health and the hazard that our veterans face when they serve and how they aren't properly treated after. Now, that being said, he was like propping up the VA as if it's a good good thing right now. It's, it's not a good thing. So that was concerning. But at least I was very positive uh, or I was very happy to see that he gave attention to it on such a big stage. I would also say he totally brought it up because he did a lot of no-nos over the last year, especially with Afghanistan, and a lot of tension has built up, a lot of uh, frustration with him and the military right now, or military leadership at least. Uh, and so I, that was him trying to you know, appease us and to, to bring up a positive veteran story, a positive military story, as if we're going to tackle this problem, because guess what? He didn't talk about Afghanistan. Um, so, so that's why he brought it up, I would say, uh, they probably thought that that was going to, you know, that, you know, at least we're addressing a veteran problem there. But hey, you know what? I'll take it. I'll take the fact that that issue is now uh, going to be talked about because he used that that large platform to bring it up. So good for them. And look up Hunter 7 Foundation if you haven't yet followed on Instagram. Uh, next thing. So I was filming, I was filming a video of me uh, baking muffins last night. And I had hit the record button because I wanted to get the cool footage of me using my ice cream scoop to scoop the muffin batter because I thought it was visually pleasing. (laughs) And right as I had hit the record button and then went to go do the muffin scoop, muffin ice cream scoop, uh, Joe Biden says, we know the right answer is not to defund the police. We need to fund the police. And I'm on the footage going, and you can you can see my my body. I'm like my mouth kind of opens a little bit, and I'm like, what? And then I lean forward because in the the video of it, I am trying to see if the camera is going to pan to AOC's face. Why would I do that? Because in the world of politics, there's a lot of tension, especially in Washington D.C., between the 
Democratic establishment, so think uh, Nancy Pelosi types, you know, limousine liberals or democratic establishment capitalists that that have always kind of been on the classical liberal capitalist side with us. But, yeah, we disagree on some issues, as Republicans and Democrats always will. That side of the establishment Dems, they are going up against the leftist radical socialist and communist faction that is made up of the AOC types. So think of, if visually, think Nancy Pelosi versus AOC. That's what's going on here. The liberals versus the leftists. Now, don't get me wrong. Liberals, many problems. Many problems with the elitists. Many problems with these limousine liberals. Many problems with the corruption that we see from the establishment Dems like Nancy Pelosi. But that being said, them versus people like AOC... Huge, huge difference in the problems and dangers. I would much rather go against a capitalist establishment dem on the issues and in general for the future of America and work with them or at least just, you know, battle it out like a usual good American debate would be than go against a communist like AOC who actually wants to upend the American capitalist economy. Huge difference between the two. And what you need to understand is, yeah, Nancy Pelosi's in charge right now, but she's going to retire probably after 2022 midterms, or at least that's the rumor in D.C. right now. And what happens then is the entire left has to get together to elect leadership that's going to replace her. And in general, when they pick committee chairs, when they pick people to lead their party in these positions of power, when they pick who's going to even be placed on committees, what matters is the makeup of the entire side of the left in Congress. Now, there's a group called Justice Democrats. AOC was given a lot of support when she first ran for Congress by the Justice Democrats. I've talked about them a little bit before, but just so you know, the Justice Democrats are trying to replace Nancy Pelosi types in Congress and in other positions of power with AOC types. You tracking? So what they do is they target blue districts, already blue districts. You know, a Democrat is going to win no matter what. But what they do is they run in the primaries a socialist that calls himself a progressive. They run an AOC-type socialist against the Nancy Pelosi-type establishment Democrat. That's either an office or maybe it's an open primary, whatever it may be. But they are actively targeting sitting Democrats in these primaries, too. And AOC used to say she would never do that. That changed as soon as the 2020 midterms came, or not midterms, 2020 elections came around, and they began targeting fellow Democrats with the socialist justice Democrat candidates. So they've been pretty successful. Once these justice Democrat candidates win, they join the squad. So think of the squad as like, remember, it was the original four women. Now it's slowly growing. And just last night, was the Texas primary. They just had another successful primary win. So that's one more addition to the number of socialists that are going to be in Congress with AOC on her side. Now, as they have this long-term game plan to slowly elect more and more socialists, these socialists join what is called the Progressive Caucus. So 
once that progressive caucus starts to get more and more power in Washington, D.C., in the Capitol, they have more bargaining power when it comes to deciding if the Green New Deal is going to be given attention, if these socialists are going to be put on important committees, if these socialists are going to be put on important leadership positions in the committee and in Congress in general, especially when things happen like Nancy Pelosi's seat becoming vacant when she retires in leadership. So once you start to see this trail and you see things like, oh boy, so so there's some tension growing. What happened last night when the defund the police statement was made by President Biden, I was like, oh boy. I wanted to see the camera reaction of AOC because she has slow growing power to go up against the people like Joe Biden, like Nancy Pelosi, like the establishment. And and I'm not saying anything dramatic happened last night, but it was very significant to see the president, the leader of the Democrats on the left, say that we should be funding the police. Now, here's a few things. Do I think that he supports funding the police? At this point, after years of them supporting this policy and saying this and, and doing everything they can to not back the blue, I have a feeling this was just a statement to appease the more purple districts where they have candidates running in the midterms. They're literally just saying that, you guys. Okay, they're just saying it because they know that their policy is now very unpopular and very unsuccessful, and they're trying to fix all of the problems that they've caused themselves, one of them would be to walk back this statement of defunding the police. And so we did that last night. So it was basically more of just a political move, but in the sense of that was very defiant to the left. So I'm interested in seeing AOC's reaction and the left's reaction over time as the establishment this year starts to get more moderate with their opinions because the Overton window shifted so much over the last few years in AOC's favor. I'm interested to see what's going to happen because the the left has really got to shift back towards the middle if they're going to have any success in the midterms. I wonder what AOC's reaction is going to be. So that was that with the defund the police. Um, Next topic, the taxes and the economy stuff. You guys, there was so many lies in that. Okay, so most of that was just a sham. All of the problems he was saying he was going to solve were problems caused by government action, and his solutions that he proposed were all spending projects, big government spending projects that really wouldn't actually address the root causes of these problems, but instead would, again, provide a big government solution. And what have we learned with big government solutions? They might have some sort of short-term success, but what do you know? These big programs begin to fail very quickly. And so the more Joe Biden says he has plans to solve problems, I'm like, please, please just leave us alone. Please just leave us alone. Oh my gosh, this is not going to solve anything. Uh, That being said, he attacked, this is something that's interesting. He directly attacked the last administration's tax reform bill and again lied saying that it didn't help average Americans, that it only helped the rich, that they need to pay their fair share. That is such an old talking point. I hope you guys know by now that that was a total totally misleading statement. So with that, I'm, I was kind of like, wow, that was kind of archaic, like old talking point. But what do you know? They're still at it. Um, thought it was interesting. This, this is a clown world economics, if you could explain something in one sentence. Uh, he was saying that we're now going to build things in America. We're now going to be proud to make things in America. We're going to take the power away from China now. I like that. I definitely want that. Now, that being said, 
how he was saying we're going to achieve all of these things was kind of insane. He's saying we're going to encourage American companies to build in America. We're going to be proud to build in America again. But we're also going to raise taxes on corporations and companies in America. And we're going to try, or he's going to try, and have a worldwide tax rate for businesses so that they can't leave America and they aren't incentivized. So you're going to punish them by taxing them more. You're going to require them to stay on American shores, or at least you're going to incentivize them with tax punishment, making them stay on American shores. But then this is what he also said. He said, we're going to increase wages and lower costs because people, to fight to fight inflation, companies need to lower costs, not lower wages. That was his solution. I was trying to track it like, Wait, did he just did he just say that he's going to increase taxes on companies? We're going to build in America, which is already a lot more expensive to do because of the already high wages compared to worldwide wages. And then to make sure that this is all good and hunky dory, we are going to ask companies to not lower wages. We are going to ask them to lower their costs. It just um it, it doesn't add up, if you know what I'm saying. So that was that. Um, next thing, vaccine push. So with COVID, I love how they just like totally glossed over all of it. They've used the Ukraine situation to distract everybody for the fact that they are slowly walking back their very unpopular mandates and forceful ways with this whole mess. But the vaccine push, I thought it was interesting because he was like, we are not done with COVID. We're always going to be fighting it. And that means continuing to push for vaccines, continuing to push for these things. And so I took that as, okay, so it's not, he didn't say we're not going to mandate anymore. We aren't going to try and get everybody vaccinated. He even brought up that he's focusing on on how parents with kids under five are really hoping that this gets approved for their kids soon. That's sickening. Um, But... With that kind of language, I was like, oh boy, this is not going away anytime soon. Like they, they think that this is now more of a shift to a long-term approach, a long-term tackling of COVID-19 because he says it's never disappearing. And so uh, I have a feeling that these vaccine pushes, these segregation attempts with them dividing us in this way, I don't know if they're going to go away, you guys. So that'll be interesting to see. I was very disappointed in his language with that. Uh, two more. Let's do two more. The Second Amendment. <laughs> it's become memeable at this point. I think it's like a meme now to make fun of politicians that still insist on on claiming the Second Amendment has anything to do with hunting. I feel like that's very 2010s to even talk about the subject like that. But you guys, we're way beyond that point of even acting like the Second Amendment has anything to do with hunting. Uh, it has nothing to do with that. The fact that the left... This is a little interesting to me. We are so privileged in America to live with such security, such peace. It's all very fragile, but at the same time, we're, we live in very secure areas. We are, are not threatened daily. Our lives are not put in, into a threatening position or anything like that. So we don't really have to worry about what it means to actually defend the country, to protect our homeland, to protect ourselves, all these things. 
And we are very privileged in that sense. And I think the left, the liberals are so privileged in this that they can't possibly imagine what it means to actually physically defend a homeland, what it physically means to to stand up for the land that you live in, the country that you're in. They can't compute that. And so I think that's part of why they, they have a hard time with the Second Amendment because they, they can't even realize that, yeah, all of human history has been having to protect yourself, your community, your, your country from an invader or from an attacker, from tyranny, from an oppressor. We don't have that right now, and, and we're very close. We're on the verge of something very bad, I would say. But we are very privileged in the sense that we do not have to defend ourselves physically from an oppressor like most humans have had to in all of human history. And so liberals can't see this, that that's really what the Second Amendment is all about. And they just can't make it. I was shocked to see. What do you know? Again, Joe Biden brings up the fact that we don't need certain uh we don't need certain things with firearms because why do we need that when we are going hunting? Just archaic talking points, archaic talking points. Uh, last thing, Ukraine. The first section of the State of the Union was about Ukraine. Not as strong as people were hoping for it to be. Am I shocked? No, absolutely not. Um, but a lot of people are also asking me why I'm being so quiet on Ukraine, why I haven't been talking about it. Um, I don't know, you guys, because... <laughs> Because I don't want to be talking about it. And it's not that like I don't care. It's just there's so much information going out there that's wrong. There's so much misinformation, disinformation, or just straight up lies that are being spread. And I'm just not interested in speaking on something that is literally unfolding as we we go day by day. It's not appropriate. I think more people need to be taking on that opinion that they should keep their mouth shut and I think we'd be a better country for it. I think we'd be in a better situation if more people uh, did that. So I'm, I'm keeping quiet on it because, yeah, the, the basics are known, but also at the same time, they're, it's so convoluted that I, I couldn't honestly give you uh, an evaluation of it. It's, it's just something where I just know my place, and I think more people need to understand their place too. Uh, let's move on, though, because with all of this being said, those initial things that we talked about at the beginning of this – all relate back to this thread uh, that I found from the Twitter account that had to do with integrity. I think our our politicians are just morally bankrupt. I think our population is in many ways morally bankrupt. I'm not saying everybody. Don't get offended. Um, but I think we, we lack a code. We lack a moral code. We lack uh, basic foundational values as a society and if we could get back to those that would be really great and so i lately i've really enjoyed looking up the definitions of words but yeah when i watched the state of the union i just i was so disappointed in in the sense that like this is the representation of our country and so after that kind of disappointing performance last night and after all of the gaslighting after all of the lying after all the glossing over of all the the failures that we're we're experiencing and then especially after hearing our president say that the state of the union is strong because we're strong. It's like, come on, you have hated us for the last year. You have attacked us for the last year. You have sent the executive branch bureaucracy in the FBI after parents concerned about the education of their children. You have gotten people fired for refusing to take an experimental vaccine. You have disrupted so many lives. And now you tell us that the state of the union is strong because the American people are strong. Give me a break. Now, 
that brings me to this uh, thread on integrity. Let's let's end on a positive note. This, so this is from Foundation Father at Foundation Dads on Twitter, and it said, "Want to break generational curses? Eight ways you can't ignore." And it said, "The secret is having integrity. It is a generational blessing. The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him." Proverbs twenty seven. And it says, how do you get or maintain integrity? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Keep your promises even if it hurts. If you put forth your best effort and can't fulfill a promise, own up to it. Then try to offer something as good or better. Use I statements. Avoid you statements. This implies blame. This is what I believe instead of you're insensitive. This is what I will do instead of you never do anything. Feelings are less likely to be confused with opinions. You can only control your own actions and responses, and when you use I, you can always speak objectively. You define your boundaries, and you are more likely to take responsibility. Now, this first section, it it just reminded me of President Biden. We need a leader that can admit his faults, and instead, with a situation, for example, like Afghanistan, that was a massive failure, and he had the the gall to tell us that that was a successful departure from Afghanistan. So it's that kind of stuff where there's no accountability. There's no respect given to the audience when you are telling the audience, oh yeah, I really, you know, I really succeeded there. We succeeded as an administration. This all went according to plan. When the entire audience, the American people fully saw what happened and they know in their hearts that that was a terrible situation that took place. So no accountability. We don't have leaders that can admit their faults. Um, what's interesting, and this reminds me before I get more into the thread. So I do the freedom papers podcast with turning point, and that's on the ratification debate with the anti-federalists and the federalists debating over, should we ratify the U S constitution? Uh, because of the anti-federalist pushback, we got the bill of rights. So we would not have the bill of rights without the anti-federalists. And the initial form of government that we had was the articles of confederation, we tried it. It failed because it was it was a confederacy. It was a basically a league of states. It wasn't a document talking about the relationship between the people of America and the government. Instead, it was just a document saying these individual sovereign states are all going to coordinate together and it'll all work out. And what do you know? It didn't all work out. There was a lot of chaos created. And so one of the best parts of the Federalist Papers that I like to talk about is this ability for the founders to admit their faults. And this is not what we have in American politicians today. So in the Federalist Papers, these were written by Madison, Hamilton, and John Jay. They address the fact that, listen, you guys, the American people, because the Federalist Papers were written to the American people to try and convince them to vote for the ratification of the Constitution. Sorry, I forgot to say that. So they write them to the people, and the people read them every day when they are released into the newspapers. The founders said, you guys, we completely understand that we asked you to trust us with declaring independence back in 1776. You trusted us. Thank you for that. We asked you to trust us when we wrote the Articles of Confederation, our attempt at a government of by and for the people. You trusted us, and we messed up. This government is not going to work. We understand that we kind of broke your trust there in the sense that we let you down. The founders say this. And then they say, but because you trusted us back in 1776, because you trusted us back then, 
we are asking you to trust us once again to admit our faults and fix the problems of the Articles of Confederation with the Constitution. We are asking you to trust us again, not only because you used to trust us, so why why can't you just trust us one more time, right? But they also said, but we are now much more seasoned men. We were boys. A lot of us were boys, or at least young men. And we were inexperienced. But then guess what? Not only did we declare independence from a monarchy, but we also fought a war. We won a war against the world's greatest opponent. We fought that war. We wrote a form of government. We experienced the failures of that government. And then we sat together in a time of peace after winning the war. We came back together. We looked at all the problems and we spent time evaluating what went wrong. And now we are more mature and we are more wiser. And we're asking you to trust us even more so than you ever have before. Will you do that? And will you ratify the constitution? I think that's just so beautiful. So, so our founders fully admitted their faults with a very big problem. I mean, they, they literally wrote a government and then said, oops, never mind. Uh, that's a big mess up. And, and Joe Biden's had, had his fair share of big mess ups and he has not owned up to a single one of them. So I think that's something that really rubs salt in the wound on top of the problems that we face. We have a leader that can't even admit that the state of the union is weak. So back to this, uh, thread on integrity, like our founders had that Joe Biden doesn't have, (laughs) um, So this one goes on and says, make well-defined stands that are clear and easy to understand. Get clarity on your principles and vision. Make it clear where you draw the line, then hold the line. For example, I will not use arbitrary pronouns based on your feelings, and this is why. So this is nice because it's kind of talking about woke politics in a way. It works for family, but it also works when you're talking to these very emotionally driven leftists. He goes on and he says, remain self-regulated as you refuse to take on the responsibility for the feelings of other people. Avoid peace at all costs. And by that, it says avoid, quote, peace at all costs. Take responsibility for your own emotional being and destiny. This all means a willingness to be exposed and vulnerable. Number four is persist in the face of sabotage. As soon as you make a well-defined stand, there will be attempts to sabotage. You will be called cold, cruel, unfeeling, uncooperative, insensitive, and worse. If you fail, your integrity takes a massive hit. Hold the line. Uh, You guys, again, so this is good in personal situations with family, but also American politics. I can't tell you how many times I get called a white supremacist or a racist or a sexist or all the words. You know, I, I lose track. But I get called these things all the time. You probably get called these things all the time. Every basic average freedom-loving American, whether you're a moderate or a little bit more to the right, you get called these words by these very emotional but baseless people. It's very strange and it's very sad. But at the same time, if you hold your ground, hold the line in this, you'll be okay. If you falter just because you were called some mean words, oh, honey, you, your integrity has gone, okay? And then once you, you know, it's like they, they say don't apologize to the left because then you've bent the knee and there's no recovering. That's exactly the case. So he goes on. Sabotage doesn't necessarily come from enemies who oppose your idea. Rather, it comes from people who have been sapped by hardships and new challenges. It's mostly emotional. You have not made a well-defined stand unless you have endured the resultant sabotage. You have not strengthened your integrity unless you have proven resilient. So expect sabotage attempts. Embrace them. Number five, do not succumb to calls for empathy. This is the most common form of sabotage. It is so common in our culture that it gets its own item. 
Empathy sounds like a noble goal, but calls for empathy are often a disguise for anxiety, a rationalization for failure to define a position, leftist, a power tool in the hands of the immature and sensitive, the woke mob. An, oh, empathy is used by those who feel powerless. They are trying to get those whom they perceive to have power to adapt to their weakness. The more empathy you, the more you focus on empathy, the less focus on responsibility. If you give in because of a demand for empathy, the problem will simply recycle itself. Bada bing, bada boom. Don't cave to the left, people. Because no one has actually learned anything, and your integrity will be shattered. But other than that, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you guys next episode. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.